Today's reading comes from Romans chapter 8 and starts at verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed and to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are more than conquerors. We have complete victory through the one who loved us. For these next few weeks, running up to Christmas, we're going to be thinking about different titles or names of Jesus. And this morning we think about that, that epithet, the one who loved us. And Paul says through him we are more than conquerors. We have a glorious victory. And that glorious victory doesn't refer to vanquishing an enemy in battle so much as winning through and overcoming every kind of adversity or hardship, be that persecution, starvation, poverty, danger, violence. These are the things in which Paul found that he had the victory through Christ. Humanly speaking, he was acutely aware of his own mortality and vulnerability. He quotes Psalm 44, a psalm lamenting Israel's defeat in battle. Because the Lord no longer goes into battle with our armies, we've met with defeat. Those who fought have been slaughtered like sheep. So he's out of a real sense of living in the face of death that Paul talks about being more than conquerors. He knew that he was on the winning side because nothing in the entire universe, not even death itself, would be able to separate him from the love of God that he found in Jesus Christ his Lord. So when he talks about winning the victory for the one who loved us, he's not talking about the way in which he found courage and resilience through the knowledge that Jesus loved him, though that was part of the picture. He's not even saying that however bad things got, he knew he would come out the other end victorious because Jesus loved him. He was saying that even if he lost his life through any of the perils that he listed, 
that apparent defeat would still be a glorious victory. Because the one who loved him was the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for him and rose again from the grave, defeating death itself. So Paul knew that his own death, however hard it might be to face, however anguishing it might be to go through, because death is the last enemy, he knew that at the end that would still be for him the gateway to eternal life. Jesus himself put it memorably and succinctly, the one who loses his life will gain it. Today we've remembered those who lost their lives in war, particularly those who gave their lives for their country. We've honoured their sacrifice. War takes people's lives in many different ways. In reading up for this service, I came across the story of Nicholas Palermo, who died a hero's death, taking out two of the three machine gun emplacements that were pinning his comrades down in a trench. But I also read about Russell Harrington, a motorcycle dispatch rider who was killed when his motorcycle collided with a vehicle driven by the Free French Underground Forces. And his body was never returned home. He was doing his duty and met with a tragic accident in the course of that. This vase enables us to remember Don Rose, who died when his armoured vehicle overturned in the desert, tipping over into the sand at the edge of the road and crushing him beneath it. All of these deaths, part of the tragedy and cruelty of war. And faced in such stories, the claim that we are more than conquerors can sound falsely hollow. How are we more than conquerors when it comes to facing danger, suffering and death? And there's no denying that after the horrors of the First World War, many found themselves completely unable to reconcile what they'd seen with any idea of a God of love. <coughs> so love and war never sit easily alongside each other. We may think of those who gave their lives because they loved their families or their country. Some people find love in the midst of war. Some people find that their love survives the war. Other, like, other people, like one of my great uncles, had a different experience. When he came home, he found that another man had moved into his home, was living with his wife. Sometimes love is utterly crushed and destroyed by the destructive brutality of war. And we talk of the power of love, but that often seems so helpless and defenceless in the face of violence. Yet love shows its strength in the face of hatred and violence through sacrifice, through faithfulness, through service, through commitment. And that kind of love is impossible to quantify. It's actually very powerful. And for the Apostle Paul, he found that he could overcome anything through the one who loved him. And for Paul, that love was shown supremely at the cross where Jesus died for him, dying for the ungodly. And earlier Paul meditates on the love of God, how it was given at such great cost to those who did so little to deserve it. Very rarely, he says, will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This isn't Christ laying down his life for his friends. This is Jesus laying down his life for those who cared nothing for him or his father giving his life in love for those who did not love him. And what did he achieve by that? Christ died on the cross to show God's love towards us. What was the point of his death? 
Well, Jesus died to redeem us from destruction. To show us the way of love instead of the way of hatred and violence. And he died so that we might share his risen life. His death for us is what makes the idea of eternal life more than just a comforting thought of a funeral service. His death and resurrection on our behalf are both the sign that this life is not all there is and also the means by which we access a life beyond the grave. Make no mistake. If God had not sent his son to die on the cross for you, your life would end with your dying breath. But God did not make us for futility and death. He made us because he loves us. And because he loves us, he wants us to share his life for eternity. So Jesus came to die on the cross, defeating death on your behalf, rising from the grave, having blazed a trail through death and out the other side into eternal life. And he is the one he is the one who gives us safe passage through death and out the other side into the presence of the living God. And if any of us get to heaven and eternal life, it will only be because Jesus takes us there. That's the point about faith being entrusting your life to him, putting yourself into his hands. Putting it simply and starkly, if you give your life to Christ, then however and whenever your death comes, he is the one who will be there with you and for you, and he will bring you through it to glory. It's not about how you live, it's not about how you die, it's about accepting Jesus and what he's done for you. That's why Paul talked about Christ dying for the ungodly, because eternal life is not for the especially deserving among us. It's about the fact that despite our many failings and shortcomings, despite the hatred and anger and violence that sometimes finds a home in our hearts, God loves us anyway. Loved us enough actually to send his son to die on the cross to redeem us from death and bring us safely into his presence. That's the Christian hope. And on a day when we remember so much death, it's worth bringing that hope to mind because it means that God's love is not defeated by the senseless, tragic violence and destruction of war. And we may perhaps discern that this could be one of the reasons why Jesus was crucified on a cross rather than dying peacefully in his sleep. The cross was the ultimate symbol of the Roman military might. It was a cruel, agonising death, one which displayed the Romans' utter contempt for anyone who opposed them. And though Paul did not live long enough to see the day himself, when the Romans besieged the city of Jerusalem, they crucified 500 people every single day in front of the city walls to say, this is what we will do to those who oppose us. You are utterly worthless to us. And the Son of God died a violent, painful death. And yet today the cross is a symbol of salvation. Because it's there that the God of the universe answered the violence of the world with the peace, with his peace. Turned the hatred of the world and met it with his love. And turned defeat into victory by raising his son from the dead. The cross was the place to say those who die on the cross are utterly worthless. They are beneath contempt. Jesus died on the cross to say you are of infinite value to God.
because he loves you with all his heart. At the cross, people did their worst to God and God responded with grace and love and forgiveness. The cross was supposed to be the place where the world decisively rejected God, but it became instead the place where God accepts us, taking upon himself our violence, our pain, our hatred, our death, and redeeming us from all those things which dominate and destroy our own lives and the lives of others, and giving us instead his love, his life, his presence. And so instead of being the place which underlies how little people matter, the cross becomes the place where God shows how much you matter to him and his verdict is the only one that counts. And in the face of God's acceptance of you, who's in a position to condemn you or put you down or write you off as worthless? Who's going to accuse or condemn you, asks Paul. The, one, the only one whose verdict matters is Jesus and he died for you. He was raised to life for you. He is interceding at the right hand of God for you. So if God is for you, who is going to stand against you? His love for you is what will pull you through and give you the victory over whatever it is you face. Words. Words. Words are often so inadequate in the face of senseless violence and destruction. That's why we have a two-minute silence. Because words simply don't do what has happened, justice. Yet in words, I want to point you to the cross. Because it's there that God enters the reality of human existence in all our God-forsakenness, becoming one with us, so that through faith we might become one with him. So that the forces of evil and destruction should not overwhelm us, but that, as Paul puts it, whatever we encounter, we can be more than conquerors through the one who loved us and demonstrated that love supremely on the cross. It's because Jesus died that Paul can tell us not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. And it's the reality of his death and resurrection that stops those words from being empty, pious platitudes and turns them into words that have the power to change lives. To redeem people from brokenness and hatred and anger and destruction. And change us into people whose lives are marked by love and hope and peace and truth. And the world we live in may deride such things, but they are of eternal value. Because those qualities characterise the God who made the world and gave his son to redeem you. And the God who made you and gave his son to redeem you says, you can trust me with your life. Because I love you. And you want evidence of that? Look at the cross. Look at my son. I freely gave him up for you. He is the one who loves you. And for the one who loves you, you can conquer all things.